Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. also known as Empress Of, and you're listening to the LSQ Podcast. Hey, it's Channing LSQ. Welcome to episode 46. And yes, this is a new theme song. Massive thanks to Dexter Tortoriello of Houses for composing and recording it. And the interview you're about to hear with Laura Lee from Empress Of is something we recorded remotely just after she had released her excellent new third studio album, I'm Your Empress Of. Let's get into it. Well, Laura Lee, welcome to, uh, you know, sort of virtual welcome to the LSQ podcast. Uh, it's so great to finally meet you in the midst of a, a weird time to be trying to, I don't know, promote an album. I can only imagine it's like just been kind of a fugue state of a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. Um, it's kind of just like, you know, like everything in life right now, it's just becomes like the new normal. You know, the way the way we interact with other people and the way we consume and the way we like, you know, er, like everything, the way we experience life right now, it's just kind of become the new normal. So promoting a record is just also kind of become the new normal. Like yesterday, no, two days ago, I did a Twitch live stream for the Grammys Music Care and it took two hours to set up (laughs) (laughs) and like and like um some guy had to like share my like remotely my computer and like set up software and like all this stuff so it was just like it was just interesting so tell me about these sort of earliest moments as a kid that you felt a creative creative urges well i grew up with um like a musical dad my dad is a salsa pianist and he really knows how to play like a lot of genres of music and so I don't know I just grew up like with him wanting to teach me how to play scales on the piano and wanting to teach me like how to play Beatles songs and at like five I think like when I when I when I was like 13 I started to like write songs and they're just like kind of bad songs but I I really liked you know I think like the 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 ambition to want to like express something like emotional like that's that's part of what makes you an artist and like wanting to express an emotion and wanting to capture like a feeling so I don't know I think like as a kid I I always I always gravitated towards like music as like my form of expression and what stuff were you just what was the earliest stuff you were a fan of as a kid I mean you mentioned the Beatles obviously but when you kind of started pursuing things that maybe weren't passed down from your parents what were the things you were finding 
I think the first thing that um, that felt like completely my own uh, because I grew up with a let uh, I grew up in a Latin household, Latin American household. The first thing that felt like completely my own was jazz, um, and that just like came about like from stumbling on like you know like a Walkman radio, like stumbling on the AM dial and finding like a jazz station and um, and feeling like. It just felt so distant. And sometimes, like, as a kid of an immigrant, you want to, like, connect to American culture so much. Um, and, like, I don't know, I just I felt like jazz was, like, so American and so, like, so, like, distant from, from salsa music, merengue music, cumbia, like, all the stuff that was playing in the house. Um, that I just, like, I became really, really obsessed with it, um, and, you know, and then from, like, from that, like, I stumbled upon, like, Bjork, and it's, like, her song, It's Oh So Quiet, because mm-hmm. it had, like, a, like, it was linked to, like, a, like, a jazz forum, or, like, some, some, something. Yeah, that big, that, like, Benny like, Goodman big band thing. Yeah, exactly, and, like, so through that, like, I found about, like, you know, alternative electronic music and, like, Imogen Heap and, like, Regina Spector and Zero uh, Seven and all that stuff. Like, I was listening to that in high school, um, like, when I was, like, 13 or 14. So, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like that was how I got into, like, electronic music. Right. Yeah, but really, like, I was, like, obsessed with jazz. And I think jazz, like, now, because I've studied it so much, I feel, like, a little, like, my relationship's a little different to it. But um, but as a kid, yeah, it felt it felt like really free. Well, no, I'm I'm like intrigued. Like, I'm intrigued to know more about how you feel like your relationship to it is different now. Well, now it's just like it's just hard at for for me as an artist to like want to make jazz music because my medium is electronic pop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I think it would just came from a thing where like uh, you know you're like learning music and the vocabulary of certain styles of jazz will teach you so many fundamental things about music that like chord structure and tempos and 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 rhythms and time signatures like it'll just teach you like so many things you need to learn like similar to classical music i mean and lots of classical music is in jazz music so in that way you're like you're learning so like so many worlds at once but yeah like, I don't know, I just, like, for me, now music is m- more than, I'm, like, really happy about this, like, I'm not really technical, but more than anything, music for me is, like, a very, like, spiritual and emotional experience, and liberating, and all those, all those types of feelings, like, so, I don't know, I just, like, I just want to dance and cry, <laughs> and, like, for, for, for me, like, yeah, like, making electronic pop, and, and things that are, like, in that realm, it's just a lot easier. But you can hear, like, you can hear, like, influences of jazz in, like, certain songs of mine. Um, because, like, you know, it's, like, deeply ingrained in my vocabulary as a musician. So, yeah, because you went, right, to, to Berkeley for, for college and, and studied all that shit. Was it, was it a jazz? Yeah. Did you kind of go in with, like, pursuing a jazz focus? Yeah, I went in to study. I went, I started studying jazz and then... Um, they had a department called um, Music Production and Engineering, and I applied for it, and I got in, and I, I was, like, one of the very few women who were studying it, 
And I think that was like that was like the end of that. <laughs> I was probably like nine. I was probably like nineteen because I had already been making beats for like two years, and they had this sort of like pseudo jazz pop electronica. It was right. bad, but you know, like you start to like. You listen to other stuff. You listen to like Aphex Twin, Radiohead, like 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 so many things that like you know. Then it then it becomes like a new vocabulary of like of electronic music that you're getting into. But yeah, I, I so I I quickly like when I got into college, I quickly like left the jazz, the jazz study to like study like music synthesis and you know how to how to make sounds on synthesizers and how to produce and how to record and. And tiny, tiny bit of mixing, like how to make stuff sound good in programs. I've I've heard from artists different perspectives on their experience at Berkeley. You know, from the from the side of people who stopped going because they were like, I can't. This isn't for me. To people who like yourself, you because you complete, you did a whole program there, right? You went to the end. Um, which would you advise yeah. someone like you know who was starting out making music to to do that to go get a degree and focus on it in that way? I think like I think when I was going to school it was a different time. I think a lot of what I think a, a lot you could do a lot yourself. You can learn a lot on on like YouTube tutorials and like asking friends and stuff. Um I don't completely necessarily think it's it's like n- n- it's necessary to to pay like so much money. Yeah, yeah. I will say like I mean I got I met I met everyone there and I got access to like crazy studios and really crazy like synthesizers like old arps and like moogs and and like because you know they have all they have all the like tools you know as a as a as a new like musician or producer or artist like you might not like afford or have access to that stuff but yeah so i will say like in there there are like there are the resources in, in institutions like that but it's just so expensive i'm like you can just like teach yourself <laughs> or ma- like or make music in your bedroom or in your laptop. So simultaneously were there were there were you you know able to go out and see shows during this, you know, high school and into college and were there people in your life who kind of turned you on to this stuff that you were discovering whether it's the Aphex Twin or Imogene Heap or, or whatever it might have been? Yeah, um I was like I I I didn't go to shows in high school. Um in college you know, I got to see like a lot of shows and like from people who who like traveled through. Um, I would say the the biggest the biggest learning experience of my life was um, living in New York in like 2012, and that was like, you know, I actually just like I want to write a book about it because it's just like it was such a special time. There were so many DIY venues like Shea Stadium, Glasslands, Death by Audio, um Oh yeah, two eighty five two eighty five Kent. Two 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 eighty five Kent, yeah. So like it was weird. It was like I moved to New York and I was at Glasslands like the first night I moved there. And not and then I was there every night for almost like <laughs> I don't know, like all like two years. You know, like going to see shows every night. Like knowing the knowing the door person, like for every venue, like like they were family. What what are some shows you remember just off the top of your head, even seeing during that era that were that were my? I remember seeing Tame Impala at Glasslands, yeah, their first exactly. trip through, and it was everyone was going nuts. 
Yeah, I mean, you see, like, so many shows. Like, I saw Grimes play to 200 people and sn- and snuck in. And, like, or I just, you know, like, I knew yeah. the door guy. And, like, and he was just like, yeah, come in. Like, it was just, like, it was just, like, family. Like, you know, it was sold out. Like, I couldn't get in. But, um, but I had never seen anything like that. Like, people, people doing, like, DIY production value shows, projection, projections, like, contact mics doing like you know just all these type of stuff like like trying to trying to bring an illusion on stage even though they didn't have the production mm-hmm. value and that's st- that stuff is so inspiring and also just seeing like just seeing sweat from your from these people like who become so huge like seeing them sweat sweat on stage and seeing them like at a stage where you are is inspiring you know yeah, and and when did you start playing playing shows? Um, I started playing like uh, I think like 2013. I started playing so like pretty qu- like pretty quickly. Like once I moved there, um, yeah, I pl- I played my first show at 285 Kent, and the thing with that time is that like it was it was so common to go to to these places and probably see an amazing show. That like you know I, at at two eighty five Kent like I had I played there and got a booking agent like pretty much after the show. Nice. Because like people come out and they want to see music. It was such like an a classic like idea of what of the music industry and live music. You know like I don't know. It just felt like a really special time. But I learned a lot from going to see live shows all the time, and. Yeah, just about about like performance and like how to engage a crowd and how to like, you know, like what what works on stage, what doesn't work on stage. Do sometimes you you need a band, sometimes you don't need a band. Like like I don't know, it's just like I learned a lot. Do you do you feel like you yeah, have you grown in confidence a lot on stage and over the years since then or or did it feel like it kind of came naturally to you um when you Um no, I mean, I am I'm a performer. Um but I think like when I first started playing, it it's just like it's just different now. Like now I when I like now I just know the stage is like my space, and I know like what I need to do to prepare for it, and I know what like I know how to control my voice. I know like I know how to move like across a stage that's you know a two hundred person venue or a ten thousand person venue, and that just like comes with experience. But like. When I yeah, I think when I was first working it was like it was just a guessing game and it was mostly like reading the crowd. But now I I don't know, I, I, I like trust myself a lot and I know a lot about like who I am as a performer that I don't really need to like I feel like I can provide like even if a crowd isn't into it, like I can I can provide an insane show and I think when I first started playing I needed I needed energy from the crowd. Yeah, that's cool because it's like you can just get into your. It's just like you can start this, start the sequence, initiate the sequence, and you're like, okay, I know how to do this. Let's just initiate the sequence and do it. Yeah, it's mostly. It's just like I don't know. I think it comes from like opening for like massive artists who like their fans don't know who you are. They're like just waiting for you to end so you can get so so they can watch like Florence in the Machine or something. You know? Yeah, just stuff like that where I'm like I have to convince like everyone here that like the opener is worth listening to 
Yeah, but I'm sure some of yeah you might that you get you get such great fans that way, right? The people who are there paying attention early on, they're like they never forget that time they yeah. accident. I mean, some of my favorite bands are one, and artists are ones that I accidentally saw opening for someone where you're just like, thank God I got here early. Yeah, definitely. I love surprises. And as a singer, I mean, by the time you were in the Berkeley program, were you all was singing already a sort of a key part of what you were doing? Yeah, I mean, I've been a singer before anything. Like I was. I kind of remember like my like singing and my mom being like whoa you can sing and then like her making me sing in front of my aunts and and me like being really shy and her being like no do it you did it for me now do it for your aunts (laughs) and then like singing in front of my aunts and then them going yeah you can sing like I don't know it's just like a funny thing I was like eight or something but yeah I don't know I just I've always been a singer first but now like I don't know it's kind of twisted with production because I sometimes like it's a it's nice to 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 not be a singer (laughs) yeah I mean but like also it's so great when you can do both and it's not just a matter of like achieving a sound on a record that you can't duplicate you know what I mean because I think that's that's increasingly common and it's an art as well to make things just with a computer um but uh but yeah I mean just to have the to know that you can take your voice places must give you a sense of possibility as an artist you know yeah it's um it's you know it's one it's it's a thing where I know no one in the world has like my voice like and I know like no one in the world has like Lizzo's voice or or anyone's voice like Maggie Rogers voice or like you know Porch's voice like no one has voice that voice and that's what makes you an individual and that's like I don't know, like no matter what song I write, it's going to transform like when I sing it because it's my voice and it's like my experiences. Um, Tell me a bit about your songwriting practice and how it sort of evolved, you know, from when you started as a kid to now. Do you, you know, what does it look like when you're in the mode where you're going to uh, to write music? Um, I generally like write a beat first and then I, I loop it. And I just sing, like, stream of conscious stuff for, like, half an hour. Or sometimes quicker. Sometimes the song just comes out. But, like, I gen- it starts with the beat. And then I, like, I sing a bunch of stuff. And I try to, like, choose. The- like, I go back and edit it. And I choose the parts that, that feel the least um, obvious to me to, to be the song. Mm, interesting. You're, like, looking for the spaces in between the things that feel, like, too easy. Yeah, because, like, sometimes the first melodies you think of are the really obvious ones, and and I like I like thinking of the um, the melodies that aren't, aren't... Can you hear that saw in the back? <laughs> I can hear the saw, but um, I'm not worried about it. Okay, There's... cool. My, boyf- my, my boyfriend is, like, making a table for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, he's... He he makes furniture for fun. He's really good. Fun um, furniture. He makes furniture. Um, it's I uh, the, definitely pandemic has reminded me that I need to like cultivate some true like just basics primal skills like that. You know, not no you don't like gardening or something like you know like I just like all these things where it's just like I should have some basic homesteading abilities so that I can uh, survive anything the apocalypse or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. I don't know how to bake or anything like that. Like, 
we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. So talk to me about the new album, about I'm Your Empress Of, and kind of what were the creative breakthroughs uh, for, for this group of songs? What was the music that came to you first? The first song on the record is actually the first song I wrote for the album, and it just came... I was, like, chanting, I'm your Empress of, and I was, like, I don't know, just, I, it just felt like such a statement and, like, a moment of arrival, and I just wanted to, um, I don't know, it, it it made me feel like like I knew what type of record I was going to write. And then when I got my mom to do, like, the voiceover stuff, um, this, that's when I was like, oh, okay, this is, like, that kind of record. And so it, it really became, like, a story after that because she gave me all these, like, bits about, like, you know what it means to be a woman and like her experience as a woman and an immigrant and like all this stuff and I was just like okay like I'm gonna put this on this song and this on that song and and it really became a narrative after that but the first song is like I'm your empress of and it really feels like an arrival moment of like you know this is my third album but but I'm like arriving again I'm here again I'm here like a I don't know like a rebirth or like or something like recharge yeah, I mean, and I know that this collection of songs, as you've said, is, uh, you know, was in part inspired by a breakup and was like a breakup catharsis moment as well. Do you find that when you make music about something that's troubling you that you feel better? Is it like a, a medicine? Um. Yeah, I mean, going back to like, you know, what type of artist I am, like music to me is like the best way I can express myself. And yeah, I, I, I generally don't think like, I don't go to therapy and so like music for me is in that way is like a way I can just kind of get out what I, what's what's wor- what I need to work through in my head. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, you come to the end of making this new album and it's freshly out so your mind is still there, but but are there any kind of did you leave making that album with any ideas already for like, you know, I want to try more of that thing I did here the next time or or kind of spots that you feel excited to explore? in whatever you do next i don't know i just took a lot of chances on this record with like with um sequence and production and like hard cuts and um unfinished vocals and like vocals that were just recorded in like a room with no like sound treatment and like all the vocal takes that crack and all that stuff like i just took a lot of risks with like not being too polished and perfect and you know, it comes from making a record in, like, two months and, like, wanting to release it during a pandemic and, like, the rush of all that stuff. And I just, I, I think, like, uh, the biggest thing I learned is, like, like every, everything has, like, its plan. And I think, like, um, yeah, like, not being afraid to accept the course of, of something or the, or the une- unevenness of something or the rough edges, like, I think that's a big thing I learned, um, which comes with like just getting older and like mature and just like accepting, accepting. I don't know. It's like accepting it is for it, it's accepting it, it for what it is. Right. And accepting yourself, I guess, as well. Yeah. And it just like, I don't know, there's just such a confidence and like trusting yourself on this record that I really love. Um, you can hear it on lyrics. You can hear it on like the production and like. I don't know, it's just like, even with mixing it, I was like, I wasn't even worried about it sounding too polished. I just wanted like, I wanted the like brokenness to come through on on all the sound. I love it. I mean, I think it's your best record. I am super, super into it. Um, and I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. But thank you so much, Laura Lee, for thank making you. this happen in spite of complications today and technology. We did, no, no, we no. got it done. And I'm so, I'm so stoked. 
All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of episode 46 of the LSQ podcast. Thanks again to Laura Lee and massive thanks to Dexter Tortoriello, who also wrote and recorded this piece of music, my new outro theme. And in the weeks and months ahead, I've got upcoming episodes with Dashboard Confessionals Chris Caraba, with the songwriter Justin Tranter, um, with King Tough, Kyle Thomas is his real name, and singer-songwriter M. Ward. So subscribe if you hadn't already done that. And whenever you have questions or feedback, you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at JennyLSQ. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.